0: So are we surprised? I don't think we are. But uh, Rafael Nadal with a 12th Roland Garros title. What an amazing man this guy is. What an amazing performer he has become, particularly on the clay. And to do it again, Barry, particularly after the year that he'd started with and hadn't got a title until he won in Rome. Then to go to Roland Garros to do this, we we tipped him to win the title. But uh, it was certainly a challenge from team today. I thought it was a wonderful match. Uh, everything that you would want
1: from a final, Uh our, our sort of fears for teams sort of came true. Uh, the first set I thought was epic, close to an hour. But we've commentated on what it feels like hundreds of matches of Nadal. And the one thing you don't want to do is if you lose a set against Nadal, is lose it in an hour. And also uh, the, the other thing you don't want to do is try and break Rafa and if you don't break him after a ten-minute game, you're always vulnerable the following game, and that's what it, so, it proved to be—that the middle, that heartbeat of the opening set. But I, I thought Team covered himself in maybe not glory, but certainly played a—I thought a terrific match. But the hardest part is you have to be ultra aggressive, uh, and I—I I don't believe you agree with me, Barry, but I felt in that opening set that. Both players were a little wary of each other, which is totally understandable. And that's where, for team, you've got to strike, you've got to pounce, you've got to get ahead of Rafa, because then you just left left sort of playing catch up. And and it reminded me so much today of those epic matches in recent years when Federer has played Djokovic has got behind and he's had to fight so hard to get level that then there's a, that little dip. Um, And it proved to be crucial, didn't it? That dip at the beginning of... uh, Because then after that, it was no way back for for team.
0: Yes, of those 11 points in a row that Rafa won, having just lost an epic second set, which team suddenly grabbed the chance. The chance came late to get the breakthrough. And obviously with that came the set. But then 11 points in succession, all of a sudden Rafa has found an even higher gear. Mm. To me, he became even more aggressive. And, and, and then it really started to show teams' sort of fatigue, didn't it? Mentally, physically, yeah. all that he'd been through over the last few days, having to play these matches back-to-back, the epic two-day affair, all the weather issues, you know, and that match-up with Djokovic. To beat him was, was, was an incredible feat to do that. But to then come out against Nadal, who'd had a, a day off before having to come back for the final, it was just too much to bear. And Rafa knew that moment instinctively. That that was the moment when he sort of had to push the foot to the floor and, and, and was able to then drive away with it. I mean, we're talking about one of the
1: greats in sport, aren't we? Absolutely. Nadal. And, and how he pounces. I mean, he smells blood. I mean, nice guy off the court, nice guy on the court, but he's, I mean, he just smells blood. And I, I agree with you, he was more aggressive. But was he more aggressive because team just had that dip? I think that was part of it. And, and then he just doesn't let go. I mean, that, that his record now, Barry, you know, we talked a couple of days ago, his record when he, when he wins um, the first set and first couple of sets. Do you know what his record is in majors when he wins the first set now? He's won 220 matches when he's won the first set in a major and he's lost only four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you kind of lose words, don't you, to describe yeah. the brilliance of the man. But uh going back to the first set and, and indeed the second, team had obviously made improvements on the way he came out this time to the way he was a year ago. Understandably twelve months ago it was his first major final and he he kind of never really posted in that match i felt but in this one he most certainly did he did get off to that fast start got the break but then got broken straight back and yet i felt the way he was playing he was staying further back on that ad side giving himself a chance to hit the big return what surprised me a bit though later in the match was the way that he came up more on that side to try and return rafa's serve as if he was trying to take time away perhaps from nadal but because Nadal was hitting, I think, more aggressively. He wasn't mm-hmm. able to do that. And, and it kind of played into Rafa's hands, whereas had he perhaps stayed back and at least sort of nullified that first strike after the big serve from Nadal, that might have given him more of a chance. And also, I felt the forehand looked more and more ragged, dare I say, but it, it kind of cost him a lot of points, didn't it, as the match went into the third and fourth?
1: yeah I think that's what happens when you play in the that, and that's what happens in big matches in the majors There's, there's those momentum swings uh, and, and I, I felt watching even though team went up a break and, and played i mean the first set was an astonishing level. I still felt watching that team was doing more of the running and that he was still not sure about the right balance. I mean the, the match did he beat him in Barcelona? Which was an incredible tennis, but Team I felt took more risks, and and I felt Team was more aggressive. Now, obviously, there's less to lose playing Nadal in Barcelona in a semi-final than it is playing in a major uh, final at the French Open. But, but by playing as the way he did in the first set, although he won it, it kind of it was an hour on the clock, and it's then tough to to replicate that. And and I think you know physically and mentally he was He was not as strong naturally because I mean that was our 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 worry for team coming into this match and and that all builds up and you know it 's not just the time on the court it 's everything that goes with being in a major the the, the, the build up you, as you get closer and closer to fulfilling something that you 've never been able to to achieve before so i think i think if i look if I look back at the match, as great as that first set was and and, and then he was up a break. I just felt that Rafa kind of got what he wanted. Even if he had lost that first set and it had been 7-5 in an hour, Rafa would say, okay, it's not ideal, but at least I've I've made him work hard for that first set. Agassi always used to talk about that. You know, ideally you want to win the first set, but if if I lose it 7-6, 7-5, and it's taken them an hour and they've had to run side to side
0: and forward and back, then that almost feels like a moral victory to me. Some of the shots that have stood out for me from from Rafa over the last couple of matches for him, obviously the one against Roger, and then this final. But his ability to hit that sort of reaction pass shot off a you know a, a ball that you think is he going to get there, but he kind of his anticipation is so fantastic. We saw it three or four times against Roger. One in particular, yeah. I remember the smash that Roger hit, and Rafa was right there at that moment in the right place, and 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 with very little backswing, just timed it beautifully back up the line past him. <laughs> and again, he was doing that against against Dominic Thiem. It, just an amazing ability. You think you've kind of seen it all from Rafa. And, th- and then he produces moments like that. And what about that incredible rally they had? I think it was early in the third set. And then Rafa's uh, stunning volley that, you know, at full stretch, he, he anticipated it, he read it. And it backspun towards the net after he'd hit it over and Dominic team coming up with the thumbs up. That's all he could do. He can make a strong case, Nadal, and, and it would even
1: include Federer in that, that he's the best finishing volleyer in the sport mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, his movement forward, he, the, whenever he sees a player who is slightly on the defensive, he pounces. More or less every single time he makes the right set, and you're exactly right. A couple of those volleys, actually, team hit a couple of great volleys as well. He did, but it, you know, it's it it all-round skills. And you, and you talk about the anticipation, but that only happens when you're right at the top of your game. Uh, and where Nadal has come from, from Monte Carlo to Barcelona to Madrid to Rome, and now and now at the um, you know French Open, I think it's great. He he is an incredible example if you just. If it doesn't happen today and you don't feel you're playing your best, just work hard and you just continue to climb the ladder. But often you see a problem with a lot of the juniors is, is they just destroy the, the confidence that they've built up mm-hmm. uh, and they can take two steps forward. And all of a sudden, a bad match, bad attitude, windy day, make excuses. It's two steps back. But Rafa is not, has none of that. So so throughout the, the six, seven weeks of the clay court season, his level just got better and better. So, of course, when you're confident, you you seem to make, the right decisions almost every time. And, I, you know, I'm watching a match like today.
0: raffa barely, barely hit the wrong shot. Dominic team two semifinals, now two runners-up finishes. Uh, established himself right up there as the next best. Has Dion Clay at the moment? Or very near to it with Djokovic. I well, mean, obviously Djokovic? Well, yes. Won it and, and so has Roger. But in terms of what he's producing consistently now, he's right up in that elite group just behind Nadal. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Nadal and Djokovic and team, you know, those three that they, they have separated themselves from the pack on clay. And I think for team, you know, it's not just this clay court tennis this year that's improved winning Indian worlds, winning the masters event there. So he is, he is getting ever closer and Rafa talked about it after the match. I actually thought both players spoke brilliantly yes. and he spoke from the heart team he was obviously—you could tell—that he was pleased with his performance, but he was absolutely gutting It go back to, you know, the, what we discussed with Joe Conta when she, when Joe lost um, in in her finals. Uh, you want to see pain? I don't think there's anything wrong in, in showing everyone Murray when he lost the final at Wimbledon in 2012. Because actually, I I saw sort of looked in his eyes. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me, Barry, and you thought, oh, he's going to win it one day. And I do generally believe he. he he will. However, you just hope that he, he doesn't, it, it isn't in this period where Rafa's still around and next year and the year after, and then all of a sudden someone else breaks through. We don't know who it's going to be, do we? It could be a City Pass. It could be Zverev. It could be someone. It could be OJ Ali Asim, in two or three years time that they take their le- their tennis to a new level. Uh, and team misses his chance, but it won't be through a lack a want la- of try. No, he will I, do everything within his means.
0: I and I genuinely feel he will get there at Roland Garros at some point. Uh, I think he has shown to me that he is of that level now. That if it wasn't for Nadal, you know, he would already be a Grand Slam champion, and 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 has backed it up again and again. That's what I'm trying to say by mm. the consistency yeah. over the last four years, not just at Roland Garros, but you know, everywhere else on clay. So I I think we are going to see him at some point become a major champion, but obviously uh, not quite sure when that will be. But Nadal now with 18 major titles, obviously the dozen, the round dozen, the Rafa dozen at Roland Garros, six others elsewhere. But that puts him, I think, for the first time, I'm right in saying, within two of Roger.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So it's
0: amazing to think that they are now that close. And of course, they're both going to head to Wimbledon He's going to head with such confidence in terms of, of what he's just done. Roger, obviously, has got all the matches we talked about him yesterday and what he's done on coming back onto clay in anticipation of what's coming up on the grass. And then you've got all the other guys in the mix, not least Novak Djokovic, who'll be wanting to say, hey, guys, I'm defending champion at Wimbledon. You know, don't forget me. And, and, and could easily go on and, well, I say easily, but could go on again and, and win there. So what we've got coming up, it's just going to be fantastic to watch, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's supremely exciting. Uh, I mean, the, the French Open was only ever going to be one of three players that were going to lift the trophy. Wimbledon, I mean, you've got you've got Nadal, who played amazing tennis last year. Obviously, Djokovic adding Federer into the mix. However, I don't see Federer beating Djokovic if they, if they were to play in the semi-final or final. But Djokovic might lose early. And if Djokovic doesn't win it, then Federer is certainly a stronger case to to win another Wimbledon Tigers as anyone else. And then you've got other players who you could certainly, certainly throw in the mix. Players like Sitsipas, I still feel he's probably a level behind on grass at the moment. I think the serve needs to improve, but don't rule out the likes of Del Potro. I think he's a, he's someone who could, well, we saw last year how well he played and, and he will benefit from matches. Interesting. You see that today after his, is winning his press conference that Nadal says so he's not going to play a lead-up tournament. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good move. I don't think he needs to play, but obviously that means he's vulnerable, very vulnerable in the opening week. No one is more vulnerable in the last decade out of the top guys to losing earlier than Rafa. But if he can get a decent draw and get himself through those first two three matches and and, and avoid Kyrgios, then
0: once he gets to the second week, he's right up there. It's probably unfair of me to ask you, but I'm just for the hell of it. I'm going to, Baza. Right now, bearing in mind what's just happened, where they all are, Roger on 20, Rafa on 18, Novak on 15, who's going to finish up with the most? I knew you were going to ask that.
1: <laughs> and do you know what I said to my wife today? What are the odds on them all being level? Yes. It could easily happen. And you know, there's no guarantee that Djokovic is going to get to eighteen. To level with Rafa, there's no guarantee Rafa's going to close in on Federer. Anything could happen. Roger might play longer than Nadal and Djokovic.
0: What is we don't know? And, and what that's we, what's exciting. Yeah, and we don't know what that the peak number's going to be. You know, mm. is Roger already there with 20? Well, it doesn't take too much to imagine that Nadal could certainly win at least another Roland Garros. Um, what else might he win along the way? Djokovic, obviously, younger than both of them. And still, plenty you would imagine ahead of him. Yep. And how many more might Roger win? Do you see, really, though, for Roger, the only sort of place where he will add to his tally, if he does, is Wimbledon? Logic would say yes. But I think how I see
1: it is if Nadal plays his best tennis on clay at the French Open, he wins it. Mm-hmm. If Djokovic plays his best tennis at Wimbledon and the US Open and in Australia, he wins it. If Nadal plays his best tennis at the other three majors, he's got a great chance of winning it. I feel for Federer to win another Grand Slam, he has got to. Things have got to slot into place for Roger, but that can happen, can't it? Yeah, of course. You know, often when I I I think it's very dangerous for anyone to say, "Well, Federer can't win another Grand Slam." Okay, well, if Federer can't win another Grand Slam, if Djokovic doesn't win, if Djokovic loses early. And Rafa loses early. Who is then in the next best place position to win Wimbledon? Would have to be Federer,
0: or maybe somebody
1: like a Kyrgios. No, not at the moment. I mean, no, no one else for me has shown in the last year or two that they could win Wimbledon if Djokovic or Nadal or Federer. Del no one. No, not not because he's lucky in matches, isn't he? Unfortunately. You know, as things stand, it might change. You know, and that's what I think Queens and Haller are going to be important. Queens is going to be very, it's going to be crucial because someone like Del Potra, if all of a sudden he goes to Queens and wins Queens, then he's then he's in the mix. Chilich, you have to rule Cilic out at the moment because he is not the same player that he was a couple of years ago. Anderson hasn't played, unfortunately, through injury. Isner hasn't played. Kyrgios, you just can't put him in the reckoning at all. Pass is that, Player who is going to continue to improve, but as things stand now, is he ready? Um, Zverev? Not at the moment. Um, so, you know, who, who else could we potentially throw in?
0: I think we just have to wait and see, don't we? But that's what's going to make it fun to do so and, and watch over the next few weeks in the lead up to Wimbledon. In terms of Roland Garros, as we now sort of leave the Clay Court swing, just a, a sort of a final thought or two on on what happened this year at the French Open. Uh, what they've obviously started with um, great plaudits for their their building work and the changes they've made in the new arena, the Simon Mathieu Stadium in the Botanical Gardens. But um, they suffered a one or two PR disasters, did they not, towards the end?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of felt sorry for them a little bit with the whole Djokovic team debacle on Friday night. I think what what that's shown to... The French Open and the other majors and any tournament actually, I think what's important is if if you do call it off for the night, I think you've got to let the media and the public know first. Because it's not it doesn't look good, does it? If spectators and the media are still hanging around expecting play and all of a sudden you see a player get in their car and leave. Because yes. then it's very easy for for people to put in two, two together. And and I don't think they got four. I think you know generally no player is going to just pick up the bag and say I'm not playing. I mean they, you know, Djokovic, you know, and also team said didn't he that you know that it was the sensible decision to 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 call off play. So I think it's what they need to do is be totally upfront, but. What they will be glad for next year is the roof, so they won't have any problems with the set. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. And hopefully in 12 months' time, they will have um, sorted out the women's trophy and made the uh, corrections that are necessary there. Wow. What a wow. story that was. Sue Barker, but, Australian, apparently. But how, why has it taken so long for anyone to notice? I don't know. It's one of those. It's right under everybody's noses, but yeah. they, they haven't seen it. And yet, um, yeah, if you haven't seen that story... <laughs> It was noticed by one of the photographers taking a close-up of the trophy when Ash Barty raised it that back in 1976, Britain's last winner of the title, Sue Barker, was listed as Australian. And I think that the woman who who, who succeeded her as champion, they spelled her name wrong as well. So, um, yeah, they've got a bit of work to do there. But um, it's been a, an amazing fortnight in many ways. I, I think we are agreed, are we, on the, the match of the tournament, that uh, Sitsipas vavrinka clash?
1: Yes, because... Whenever, whenever at the end of the tournament or the end of the year you, you, you talk, well, what was the greatest match? Uh, for me, it's always the one that comes into my mind straight away. And, and that city past vavrinka was just unbelievable quality, unbelievable drama. And you know, was, and also the way they sort of embraced each other at the end, which is also, I think, is crucial because you're enemies when you're playing. But at the end of the day, you, 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 both players are going through it, aren't they? And the respect was clear, as was the respect today from from team and Nadal.
0: I think so. I think just that match, though, because it went the full five sets, because mm. it was, uh, you know, a young next-gen star. It was a former champion, somebody coming back after serious injury and surgery, who'd never played each other before, playing with the sort of the power and the all-court games that particularly Tsitsipas was prepared to do from the start. Uh, to me, that was just immense, and the strength of Vavrinka in that match. And, and the way he played it, he he absolutely embraced the challenge, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He looked. There were times when he was sort of smiling and joking a bit with the officials, kind of in the midst of what was an immense battle. It had a, a great crowd who were wrapped right from the start. They never left the Longland Court for that. And it was just one of those glorious days of tennis that you think, oh, this is why this sport is still so great to to cover and to watch and to listen to uh, wherever you are. It, it, it produces moments like that that are really special. Well, Baz, thank you very much for uh, everything over the past fortnight, for the French Open, for Roland Garros, whichever way you like to call it. But obviously we are turning our attentions to grass. And I know that uh, this time uh, next week um, you'll have talked to Stephen Farrow, who's the Tournament Director at Queen's. Looking forward to hearing in depth from him but uh, thanks everybody for listening and do join us again in a week's time